You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Oh, good day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn Hart, and today, uh, Israel. Is their response starting to uh, slip slightly towards the uh, disproportional, the disproportional or unproportional? I'll try and figure that out before we get to that segment. Uh, real estate news, uh, so it's, it's all good if you love high house prices. And uh, we'll finish up with the idea of the four-day week and how we're getting on at work generally and why are we so aggro towards each other. But for any of that, Ian Foster, why are we so aggro towards him? All Blacks are going all right, aren't they? Sometime next week, question's going to start to get a little bit awkward at Rugby Union headquarters. Now, I've got little doubt we're going to win the World Cup now. And when we do, what does that say about the Union's treatment of Ian Foster? Eh? How does a coach who guided a team to another title get sacked? How do we explain how Foster felt so badly treated? He came on this program and told us he wasn't going to be the coach next year. And when he told us that, the decision hadn't apparently even been made. No player has said so publicly, but it is pretty clear now that they are playing this tournament for Foster. And it's pretty clear we were wrong when we wrote the side off last year. I got a mate in France at the moment. He booked quarterfinal tickets and he had little expectation of any that would go further than that. So he's watching the tournament in various pubs and other parts of France. Now he's turned the whole trip into a holiday. That's a lot of people, isn't it? A lot of people thought the same way. Last year it looked ugly. So we gave up. This year looked completely different. This year it seemed that what Foster had been saying was in fact right. It was a big picture story. They had a plan. All they needed was time to bring it together. Meantime, the union were busy plotting and dealing with a potential exit to Lord knows where of Scott Robertson. So when we win... What does that say about Foster's ability to transform a side into winners? What does it say about the age-old understanding at elite-level sport that you are hired to win, and when you win, you're hired some more? Uh, The players who leave at the end of this, and there's a few of them, they leave on their terms, of course, and that's the best part about sport, writing your own story and the dream of leaving at the pinnacle. But for Foster, he leaves at the pinnacle, but not on his own terms. The union have a defence in that Robertson's a winner, he's a coaching freak, of course, but Foster's a winner too. And he said he was and his team would be winners. And when he's proven right and his reward is a cup and a sacking, what's that say about the way the union runs the game? Um, Pretty much agree with a lot of what Mike says there. He's quite bullish about the All Blacks' chances in that game, though, on Sunday morning, isn't he? Um, He knows there's another team playing in that game as well, right? The rewrap. Sure, it'll be fine. Now, uh this uh, Israel-Hamas war, uh, it's, um, it's, it got ugly, I mean it started ugly and then just got uglier and uglier. Um, the questions now are being asked, aren't they, have, have Israel started to make it a little bit uglier than it needs to be? Uh, you've got to be delicate about these things, don't you? Mike, your international relations professor uh, from Otago was off the mark when he said Israel's response was disproportionate. It would be nice if a few people within our country in positions of responsibility and authority would take a stance in line with our international allies. I think the point that Patman was making, and if he wasn't making it, I am, there is going to be a line, and it's not that far away, when the so-called international allies are not going to be standing with Israel the way they are at the moment. There's a reason the ground offensive hasn't started, and that is because Biden's holding them back. They're all holding them back. And Macron, when he goes there tomorrow, is going to be saying exactly the same thing. Everybody stood with Israel 
when they got attacked out of the blue and they hit back. Nobody denied them that ability or that right. But now we get to a very interesting stage is if they go in, when do they go in? How do they go in? How long do they go in for? And once they've gone in and flattened the place, as they are more than capable of doing, then what? And so their stated aim is to get rid of Hamas. Do they honestly believe they get rid of Hamas simply by flattening Gaza? Well, hundreds of thousands of people already fled. Where do you think those people are gone? They're gone elsewhere. Do you think they're suddenly not Hamas? Come on. So that's the point that we're reaching at this particular point in time. At some point, and there will be disagreement along the way, when does Israel overreach? And that's when you get to the interesting part of that plays for domestic politics as well as international politics. And at some point, and it won't be too far away, when all these international countries who are standing with Israel are expected, but Biden's asked for over $100 billion. When does that get a bit uncomfortable for a lot of American politicians, eh? So these are the questions we're going to be asking in the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bit of a... it's. Uh, do I even go there? I'm just like... Let's talk about death tolls, and you, you've got, you know, it appears over 5,000 Palestinian fatalities so far, and you're in the mid-thousands, around just under 1,500, I think, by last count, of Israeli fatalities. So just based on those numbers, is that a disproportionate response? Is it, an, is it a proportionate response? I don't know. It seems like those sorts of semantics don't make any sense to me anyway because wars shouldn't happen in the first place. The Rewrap. Fun podcast so far, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, let's uh, see if we can afford to buy a house now that that bubble's burst. Oh, no, what? Hang on, is the bubble back? Read one roof uh, over the weekend. As I suggested on the program last week, the property market post the election is going to come alive in a very real way. Obviously, uh, spring heading into summer and Christmas, the market would have shown life anyway, but never underestimate the power of a government to move markets. Now, the big irony, uh, being the government technically hasn't turned up yet, hasn't changed. The new government hasn't done a thing. Nothing tangible's actually happened. Uh, the laws around tax treatment of investment properties still just a promise. The interest rates have not started dropping. Indeed, as of just last week, Kiwi Bank was still putting them up. Uh, the new news that we have that is real is there seems to be some sort of impact from immigration in terms of the sheer heft of numbers, and that leads to demand in not just housing, of course, but all sorts of different parts of the economy. But the reality is sentiment is a real thing in terms of outworkings. The national government is good for the economy, and you can see that in one roof story about the listing search. Look it up. Read it for yourself. Post last Saturday, listings have lifted. And they've lifted because owners have been waiting. And they've been waiting for a change of government. At some point, of course, the new government will actually have to deliver. Promises will have to be kept. Tax cuts handed out. The boost in the economic activity realised. But for now, like all governments, they've got a honeymoon. And the honeymoon is based in part on expectation. Expectation that life is going to be, for some anyway, materially better. And a very profound part of that, of course, is mood. Mood is real. Mood leads to activity. Mood is positivity. Positivity is a reason to do things like buy and sell and invest. You tend in left-leaning governments, of course, to get a little bit of anti-property sentiment. But the simple truth is, New Zealanders love houses. Always have, always will. We get houses. Houses make us money. Houses shelter us. Houses are simple ways of saving. As always, the numbers don't lie. Look at the listings. Read the stories. Watch the market move. And all because of a mood swing... A little over a week ago. Or is it just that we went away for the long weekend and thought we'd like to live where we were staying for the weekend and uh, looked at property there and then realised that we didn't win lotto and we couldn't actually afford to buy a beach house, but it would be nice. 
Just just me? Okay. The rewrap. Uh, yeah. So as you could, might have picked up from that, maybe I'm not getting paid too much after all. But uh, regardless of how much I'm getting paid, I know I would like to work four days a week. Um, and I would definitely like to work from home. But those things just don't seem to be practical for this particular job. This business of jobs in the workplace and how we're not getting on with each other. But Stats New Zealand over the weekend, so the majority of us, which is 37.9%, still work eight hours a day, five days a week. The good old-fashioned nine to five, if you like. Number of us working less has increased to 366 and the number of us working longer 40 hours a week, and this will have something to do with productivity, and I fully understand that productivity is not automatically tied in with longevity, but nevertheless, I do think it has a connection to a degree. The number of us working longer than 40 hours a week is going down and continues to go down. It's down to 25.5% in the June quarter. These are Stats New Zealand numbers for the June quarter, and it's dropped from 27.2. So I think COVID has materially changed us forever. A number of us have gone home. Some of us have gone back, and when we've gone back, we don't like what we see in the office and things getting a bit angsty. More of us are working less and fewer of us are working longer. And I can't see how ultimately in the long run that's a good thing. So, yeah, we had, we had a um, story about um, people are, are just sort of more aggro at work these days than they, than they used to be. And I do wonder if, you know, it wasn't so long ago that mental health wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a phrase that was used, uh, you know, if you didn't like your job. Shut up! Just do it. It's you know, it's it's called work. It's not called play. You know, there's a lot of that sort of thing. I think people now they're into the self care. Um, I've been logging my mood on on my new watch lately. It, it keeps reminding me to log my mood, and then I so I log my mood, and then I say why I'm I have to say why I'm feeling that way. And a lot of the time it's to do with self care, as it turns out. And I didn't like I say I didn't even realise that self care was a thing. Have I mentioned I'd like to only work four days, though? Mike, if people can do a week's work in four days, just goes to show how little office work actually is done. It's Ellen, I tend to agree with you, but um, I'm all for people being happy, and so if they can do the work in four days and take an extra day off, uh, there's a lot of mucking around in the office. goes, well, I like getting into work at uh, three in the morning. There's no one to mess around, no one to chat, no water cooler chat, you know, no, no time spent in the kitchen burning the toast and all the other stuff that goes on after about nine o'clock. And then that led us to talking off air about burnt toast and how easy it is to burn toast um, it because and, and it struck me why don't we have toasters that actually work properly why do toasters they have timers on them right they're not oh your toast is ready now we'll pop it up sensors I mean your, your electric jug doesn't work there does it it used to be back in the old days you, you had a jug and you had an element in the in the jug and if and and if you left the jug boiling then the element would um, blow out because you'd boil the jug dry now for 20 bucks you can get a jug and it knows when it's boiled and it turns itself off why doesn't the toaster know that it's burning the toast that's what I'm asking I mean we've isn't that the same technology in a smoke alarm for example that knows that something's burning. It tells you to get out of the house or you'll be burnt toast. Can't we just apply that technology to toasters? Am I the only one who's had this idea? Jeez, this last bit's gone on a bit about toasters. We weren't even talking about toasters. See, this is why I need a three-day weekend every every week. I'm Glenn. That was the rewrap. 
We'll see you back here again with another one tomorrow on the second day before they rewrap. The rewrap. The rewrap. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.